fans and welcome to the big blue box podcast my name's gary my name's adam and welcome to episode 376 Hope you're keeping well and safe. We hope you've had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who <laughs> related. related. Oh. You beat me on that one. Yeah. Welcome to 376. <laughs> <laughs> Last week was cool, bud. Last week was cool. Talking through the old uh, the old reign of terror with the first Doctor. It was good to go back and watch some, some Hartnell, you know. It was good, mate, yes. But the old French Revolution. Yeah. And it's always an interesting one to watch. Whenever we come round to a review that's got missing eps and mm. like filled in episodes of animated stuff and all that, it's um yeah, it's always an interesting one because you think, Oh god, is it is the animation cool or is it retconned or is it telesnaps? What's going on? So yeah, it was good though. It was mm. cool. Yeah. It makes me think yeah. of about the next Blu ray set, mate. Like I keep thinking I really want to trout on one, like I'm looking at my Blu ray sets on the shelf. And there's just, it's missing a trout and face on the spine. You know what I mean? You've got yeah. the first doctor there and then it jumps to Pertwee and you've got four, five, six and seven. And I'm thinking, yeah, we really need a, a trout one on there now. But mm-hmm. has he actually got any complete series? Even though they've animated some, have they managed to complete any series yet? I'm not... Of Troutons not... as, as a series? Uh, well, like, as a series, is there any season that they could release as a box set? that could be complete even if they used animated apps that they've already done. Yeah, there is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, season two. Season uh, two, yeah. Yeah, I think the only story that's got some missing apps is The Crusade. And oh, it's probably one other. But I think that's pretty much all wrapped up in a nice little parcel, that one, season two. Because I'm just thinking we, we must have another announcement soon. I mean, I know we, we know we've just had the third Doctor one, season nine. Yes, yeah, and we're pretty sure season twenty is is bound. It's got to, that seems to have been like on the back burner for ages. Season twenty because mm. we we know they filled extras for that already. So I reckon it's got to be a trout one one this year, surely. Yeah, I would say so. Um, the mm. problem is, is um, yeah, once you get past series two, yeah, I apologise. This is I, I said season then. That's not good, <laughs> is it? Bad, bad. I think they do, they do refer to them as seasons. I think we can let you off. I know you hate that word, but... Yeah, so series two, you know, is actually all right. Yeah. Uh, if, if memory serves correctly, you can watch through season two pretty much unscathed. I think it's only when you get to the Crusade. There's a couple of missing eps. I think everything else is pretty sweet. Um, but when you get onto Trout and stuff, though, again, if memory serves, I don't think there's a complete series that's, what I'm thinking. that's got anything left intact fully uh, i think pretty much every oh, i think the pl- the closest we'll get is probably series six mm. um because that's only got mm, i think the space pirates is obviously a, a big one that's missing yeah other than that um i think bar the odd episode here and there 
that one's pretty much good to go. So I think a Series 6 with Troutman would be good. Mm, yes. Um, and remarkably, the War Games, all 10 episodes are intact oh. and all good. So I think, yeah, maybe Series 6 then. I would love to see the War Games yeah. in, in Blu-ray quality. If I, if I remember rightly, it's fairly good quality, that one, isn't it? Yes, it's not I too bad. I seem to remember. Yeah. yeah, like the shots of him going up to the TARDIS seem to remember look pretty clear. So that would be a good one, wouldn't it? That would be a lovely one, actually. Yeah. 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 Because we still haven't had um, we still haven't had any Troughton, have we? In any kind of restored no. HD remastered, anything like that. So no. yeah, I think it's time. I think it's time. I think so, mate. Yeah. Every time, yeah. every time I look at my shelf, I'm just thinking we need a little Troughton face to join the rest of them. <laughs> he feels left out at the minute. We've got all the others. <laughs> a little Troughton face. Yeah. Yeah. I need to see him on the spine. <laughs> yeah. Same, mate. Yes. So it's been a fairly light week for for us and for the world of Doctor Who. We have um, we have I've, we were saying beforehand it's been light for us. We haven't done anything Doctor Who related, but very quickly, I assume that you have seen, uh, dear listener, the the official set picks that we've seen of Shooty and uh, and Millie and stuff that have done the rounds on like the Daily Express and some of the other official blogs and stuff. And I know that we've seen them on set for weeks now with these kind of um, spoilerific on-set pics that a lot of people have, have put on there. But these are like the ones that the BBC, we assume, are happy to go out on the mainstream media. It's uh, We think that it's filming for the Christmas special. Mm. And because the TARDIS is covered in snow and it looks very wintry and, and so on. So what do you think to Shooty then in, his, uh, in this outfit? Because this is an alternative one that we've seen outside of the official pics that they put out. Uh, a while ago, which you had the um, the bright orange jumper and mm. and that thing, but yeah, he's got the, the the long leather leather coat and some some modern trainers with some classic trousers and stuff. It looks pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, I must admit, I think the costumes um, got everyone talking as much as anything else because we obviously got that official picture a couple of uh, you know weeks back of of like what we assumed was going to be his regular costume, and then we're now seeing these filming pics where he's got this long brown leather jacket. Um, and uh, like this stripy top, and like you said, some very cool two hundred pound trainers. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know the brand, but everyone's everyone's already found them, and they're about two hundred quid. Um, and it's weird because it's a real, it's quite a mishmash what he's wearing. Um, but he does pull it off. I, I think. I mean, I think that's the thing with Shooty because he dresses quite flamboyantly in real life. Uh, flamboyantly, is that a word? Yeah, in real life, he he does <laughs> yeah. have a. He is able to carry off quite outrageous looks and i think this this um he is carrying off really well and just the shots that i've seen of him like stood outside the church there's a picture of him stood outside the church wearing the long jacket and then a shot of him running and i'm thinking yeah i'm already getting some really good vibes from this so the costume the costume outfit whatever you want to call it it's um it's it's quite i don't know jumbled together i mean like i said the top's very bright and then you've got the bright jacket and stuff but it yeah it's it works i think you know it's not a it's not a blessed colin baker outfit i mean i love colin's outfit but you know it's not distracting in that sense that it's really busy but but um yeah it's looking good i think and it's mm. exciting to see it's great to see shooty actually out filming because obviously like we've seen quite a lot of pictures of millie out and about shooting and apparently shooty's literally just finished filming sex education and so he's almost come straight onto Doctor Who right off the back of it. And I'm wondering if that's like, 
you know, to get his head around, because the, the character of the Doctor is a big character to get your head into, and you really want to sort of get in that zone. And I'm thinking, I can't remember the character who plays the sex education, but, you know, he's been playing that role for quite a long time. So to sort of step from right from one character that you, he probably knows like the back of his hand into the, the Doctor, who's quite a complex character, I wonder how he's finding that. It's, it's almost as if he's jumped off one ship straight onto another. So, yeah, I hope he's had time to sort of get his head around the role but i guess he'll just find his feet as he goes along but you know what i mean it seems like he's mm. literally just finished sex education i think he put that he wrapped like a couple of days ago and now he's yeah, straight he does, onto yeah. doctor who and we're finally seeing him out on the streets filming so mm-hmm. it's exciting it's just great to see our new doctor out filming on the streets you know what i mean it's like it's real if you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's very it's like cool it's actually yes yeah. there's our new doctor yeah it's very exciting i have to say yeah and there's a couple and of pics uh, isn't there where mm. um you can tell that he's uh, he's in character even between shots when he's not being filmed. Mm. He's got this very um, uh, concerned, stoic kind of look on his face, and uh, and I think a lot of actors they're like that. I, I think some actors very much are uh, they can just turn it on and off like a light switch. So as soon as they shout cut, you know they. They could go from very serious to just normal and whatever. But mm. I think some actors like to try and stay prepared for the, the upcoming scene by getting in the zone, if you know what I mean. So you yeah. can tell that there's a few there's a, a few picks where they're in between shooting scenes, but he's still got that that look on his face. But then there's another one in contrast to that where he's having a right crack with with Millie. They're just cracking up at something, mm. which is very cool. So, uh, yeah, it's really good to see... Um, it's good to see, like you said, him out and about rocking and rolling, actually shooting some some scenes that we, we they've probably done a bunch of stuff already. But to actually mm. see him out is really cool. Because remember when over the past, I don't know, however long now, and uh, when we've seen like even Chris Eccleston out on those old shoots that we used to see them like in mm. Cardiff somewhere or somewhere in Wales, it was always that buzz that was like, oh wow, it's like new new Doctor Who's coming at some point because they're filming. It looks really good. So I know what you mean is that kind of buzz, isn't there, that goes with it. So, yeah, I love it, dude. And he does look really cool. That costume does look very cool. And it's it's yeah. quite exciting to think he'll be actually, because we just said <clears throat> when his official costume was announced, it would just be like they'll alternate the top. So he'll be wearing like a darker, a bit like Eccleston. One week he'll have a darker top underneath and then he'll have a lighter one. But no, it's like a full-on completely different costume uh, that he's wearing. So it'd be very interesting to see if he has like a variety of of uh, outfits over the series, or you know how much they change it up, but this is completely different to to the uh, regular costume that we were given a promo shot of uh, recently. I'm still uh, undecided about the tash. Uh, not that it doesn't suit him, because it totally <laughs> does. But I worry about fake moustaches because because I know they're fake. You know, I mean, the brigadier, bless him. You know, sometimes he had a real moustache, sometimes he had a fake one, and sometimes it was barely hanging off his lip. Now, <coughs> obviously things have improved a bit since then, but um, it's an interesting choice to give him a fake tash, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The, the effort of having to put that on every day. <clears throat> so I'm slightly worried because I, I, I worry it's going to distract me because I'll be sat there thinking, it's a bit like someone wearing a toupee to me. It doesn't matter how convincing it is. I'm still sat there and it's going to draw my eye. I'm going to be thinking, well, a, it's, a, it's a fake tash, isn't it? So, I mean, I'm sure he's capable of growing one. So I don't know why they didn't just... But mm. again, I think that's because he's jumped straight from sex education to this, that they've obviously decided for whatever reason the doctor needs a tash now. The first <laughs> doctor to have a tash, I think. So 
maybe he didn't have time to grow one between filming sex education and this. I don't know, but it worries me. I don't want any wonky tashes in Doctor Who. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure the the moustache department is on. I'm fine sure they're form. on it. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure it's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you the other thing that was interesting about it as well is the backdrop in the TARDIS. So obviously because we had that leak recently of what we th- we think is the genuine TARDIS console, that video that surfaced of, of the new console room. And I was looking to see what was behind him in the in the filming shot stuff. And it's just like a a white sheet, isn't it? And it doesn't yeah. even go full length for the to the floor. It's just like half of the TARDIS length in the back. So I'm wondering what's happening there. Like, are they going to super impose CGI a, a backdrop in there? Have they got some new technique of of what's happening in the TARDIS or, or is it just going to be white, you know, like the cushion box? Is it yeah, just going maybe. to be yeah. a white backdrop? But yeah, it's just plain white sheep mm-hmm. um, in the back of the TARDIS proper. So yeah. wonder what's happening there. Yeah. The full, the white sheet doesn't go from floor to ceiling now either. There's something at the bottom. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's weird. Uh, one would assume rightly or wrongly that uh, that would, you would just place a load of green, green screen cloth in the That's background there. Thinking. If you wanted to, mm digitally um composite that later on but yeah it's i don't know maybe the, it, it might be easy to do um especially if there are no shots with them actually walking out of the tardis if it's just him standing next to it yeah then that's relatively easy to because the the tardis doors and everything are just straight lines so mm. i think in the world of visual effects that's relatively easy to to cut out and put your own background in without even green screen so mm. It's going to be interesting, dude, to find out. Well, because when we watch whatever episode that is next year, next Christmas, he'll be like, ah, oh, we remember that. Yeah. We spoke about yeah. that bit on the old pod. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it'll be yeah. good. I'm so excited to see those two together. I'm very confused. Uh, uh, Shooty and, and Millie, I mean, just can't wait to see them on screen. I'm very confused about when that'll be. I mean, this, so this Christmas special, we assume, is this year's Chris- this Christmas, we assume. Um, mm-hmm. And we think Shooty might be in some of the specials. He might pop up because there's that scene in the trailer. So I'm just wondering when we're going to actually see him or how it's all going to play out. Like I said, yeah, it'd be interesting when, it, when we actually get to see those episodes and and uh, to look back on this pod and say, ah, oh, right, so that's what's, what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't wait, mate. Yeah, it's very exciting. Mm. You, would, you would assume that it would follow... Um, it would follow previous patterns, wouldn't you? And um, yeah. we'd have David Tennant's Doctor rocking and rolling for 99% of these three specials. And then he regenerates into Shooty at the end. And then next year, Shooty will kick off his own series. But you yeah, never know. Yeah. You don't know with what's going on with who at the minute because um, there's so much chat around why is David Tennant's um, version of the Doctor back all this, you know, multi-universe stuff and everything. So mm. who knows what's going to happen? I don't think it's going to follow convention and, and be your typical thing like that. So yeah, it's going to be really cool later this year, dude. Right. So when does the, um, when is the first special drop? Is it for the sentence? Is it the 60th? Isn't it? So that's going to be, it's going to be November. November when it, yeah. yeah. I would yeah. assume. And then, yeah, we'll have three and then, <clears throat> then the Christmas special, I think. Unless they do the specials leading up to, I can't remember which way around it is. But anyway, yeah, later mm. on in the year. It's going to be very cool. 
<clears throat> yeah. I do love the fact that Russell's managed to give us all of this stuff, but still we have no clue what's going on, if you know what I mean. Like, I think when Chibnall took over, we, we sort of applauded the fact he, he was keeping everything secret, but it got to the levels of, of ridiculousness that we just didn't have anything to get excited about at all <laughs> yeah. uh, during his run. So he, yeah. he never got the balance right, whereas I feel so far Russell's managed to get it perfect. He's, we, we're like, I feel like we know so much and yet we know nothing. Like we've we've got mm-hmm. so much to get our teeth into, but we actually have no clue what's going on. Um, it's just like it's like he's thrown a puzzle at us, and we're just scrabbling around on the floor trying to put it all together. So I, I love that. I think he's, so far he's got it just right mm-hmm. in terms of um, keeping us engaged and, and getting the public, you know, absolutely. excited about it again. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. So it's exciting times mm-hmm. watching the uh, the film, and I'd imagine we'll get a drip feed of this stuff over the next year 10 months at least or i don't know oh yeah I so, hope, yeah, yeah i think so it'll be good anyways that's the old set picks mm-hmm. uh, with shooty as a new doctor and millie as um the new companion ruby yes. and uh yeah we'll keep you guys up to date with that stuff anyways we if we get any more news on that or, or anything we don't really anyone that's listened to this podcast for a long time will know that we don't really dive into the whole big spoilerific stuff that leaks out on socials and all that mm. stuff and rumors and whatnot. So we'll keep you up to date with like the official stuff to, at least that's um, that Russell's happy for the, for the mainstream to get hold of and whatnot. So yeah, we'll do all that stuff. Rightio then we have got a little bit of news to go through and this will mm-hmm. be good news for um, some people that used to collect a certain, <laughs> a certain thing um not too long ago actually so yeah that's gonna be cool and then we're on to our review it's uh it's classic who all the way forward now so our our review this week is the fourth doctor story the android invasion and also give you mm. deets later on in the show about how you can follow and subscribe to the podcast etc but for now dude let's uh, let's land the tardis and uh, and do this bit of news shall all we all right yeah So the uh, the um, nostalgic among you might be be aware and remember the old um, the old Eagle Moss days, which weren't mm-hmm. too long ago, to be honest with you. Here in the UK, and I think in some other regions as well, we had um, uh, there was a company called Eagle Moss, and they put this magazine out, and I think it ran for years, didn't it, dude? It was a good, it did. a good long run, and mm-hmm. they did a bunch of different things, but their Doctor Who range was essentially. Um, uh, you subscribed to the magazine or you went and picked it up and uh, it accompanied this very cool little figurine. Now, some of them look absolutely amazing, don't they? Yeah, some of them look very good. <laughs> so, <laughs> others, um, yeah, you could tell that uh, it was either the intern that month or it was, um, <laughs> you know, a bit of a rush job. Anyway, it was very cool. And regardless of how, uh, of how good or how bad they looked per figure, they did have a, a fairly decent fan base. I think they there was a lot of people that collected these figurines. Unfortunately, Eagle Moss um, went into uh, receivership or liquidation. Um, when was this? Two years ago, I think it was. Maybe um, a year ago. Feel that long ago, about a year ago. A year ago, probably, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And as a result, obviously, the um, the everything that went with it also went went under, which included the Doctor Who figurine line. But as a bit of a lifeline, the the company Sci-Fi Collector has picked up all of the unreleased figurines that Eagle Moss um, had presumably um, had designed and made and were ready to ship out in the however many months ahead of uh, when they unfortunately went um, went bust. 
So this company um, is going to do a bit of a launch event for it as well. And they're also going to put all these unreleased uh, figurines onto their website, which launched um, literally a few days ago, I think, mm. which is sci-fi-collector.co.uk. We'll put a link to this in our show notes. so You can check it out um, if you're here in the UK. So um, the first launch event for it um, is going to take place at the television and movie store in the Maltings Shopping Centre in St Albans um, this weekend. So if you're listening to this on launch day, uh, which will go out on the 17th of Feb, it's tomorrow, the 18th. So if you're in the southeast or you're you're near St Albans, it might be pretty cool. Uh, so it will feature all of the Doctor's allies and nemesis. What's the plural of nemesis? Nemesis is? Nemesis? Um, <coughs> so uh, these were all the characters that were introduced in 2021 as part of Flux. And um, uh, and Carvanista will be one of them. So he's released number 216. There'll mm-hmm. be a bunch of other figures as well, such as the cleaner robot from Paradise Towers. That was one that we knew that was coming. Yes. That was actually sounded pretty sweet, um, but we unfortunately never got. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also going to be the ninth slash 10th Doctor's console, and um, uh, which was only ever released on eBay. And um, the event is also going to let you know of all the forthcoming releases as well that they're going to do over the next however many months. Uh, as well as that store event in St Albans, um, they've also got other stores in Norwich, Cardiff, Bristol, Cumbran, and Taunton and Hatfield. And those figures will be able to be purchased there as well as, like I said, their new website, which launched uh, a week or so ago. Mm. So, dude, um, does this float your boat at all? Because I know that you did mm. collect a fair whack of these figurines, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, mate. Yeah, I used to get quite a few of these. And um, I also, because Eagle Moss did other stuff, they did the cool little, uh, what do they call them? Chibi badges or something. They used to do these cool badges. And they did some nice tees as well. I got some, you know, very often people will will say, oh, where'd you get that Genesis of the Daleks t-shirt? I love it. And I used to wear that a lot. You'll see it. And if ever I go on holiday, I'm always wearing it. So um, a lot of people have seen that t-shirt. And that was an Eagle Moss t-shirt. So I'm really hoping that... um, they've picked up all that stock as well because I did see someone post a picture of a War Machines t-shirt and they said it was in this TV movie store. I didn't make the connection at the time. I'm now thinking it is that store. So I'm hoping that they've got all of the remaining stock. Um, And yeah, the figurine thing I think is great because I know, I mean, I sort of cherry picked them. There was a time when I used to get every single one. And like you said, I started to think now, some of these are really good. I love them. And then you'd get the next one and it would be like a human figure. <laughs> Let's say like the Jodie figure. And it was so badly painted. You think, God, they never got the humans ones particularly right. So I started cherry picking like the good ones. Um, and I quite like the look of the Carvanista one. He was one of the ones mm. that was just about to be released. You mentioned the um, cleaner robot as well. And that was the one. So that was a large figure. So the most of them were mm. just small ones to cover magazine. They did occasionally what they call like mega figures and stuff like that. The cleaner robot was one of the big special editions and it was just on the cusp of being released when they went under. It was literally like, I don't know, it it was like the week it was supposed to come out, say. And I was gutted because... I was so looking forward to that. It, the figurine looked brilliant, and uh, I like that. I like Paradise Towers, and um, I got one from eBay uh, about mm, a week before Christmas uh, from these guys from Sci-Fi Collector. So they'd obviously sort of bought in a little bit of stock and were testing the water. 
to see how well it would sell. And I, I got a cleaner robot from them. And uh, despite the absolute nightmare of having it delivered by every, um, I did Ooh. eventually get it. And, mate, it is the best figure. It's probably mm. one of my favourite figures in the collection. So when they got it right, they got it right, and they did do some good stuff. But that one in particular is is an absolute banger, mate. It's a brilliant figurine, that is. So, it does, yes, yeah. it's, it is good mm. news. I, I feel sorry for people that subscribed to them because I think a lot of people may be out of pocket and they're probably a bit annoyed thinking, well, I, I never got my stock and yet there was stock out there clearly made, ready to ship out. And So I feel sorry for them. I don't know. Hopefully they've all got their money back or refunds, whatever. But, yeah, mm. it's great news, mate, and it'd be nice for people to be able to pick up and complete their collection and get the figures that they were excited about, like... You know, like Carvinista and the cleaner robot and stuff. So it's good news, mate. Yes, I'll definitely be picking up a couple of these when they when they go on their website and stuff. And I want to get a couple of teas as well if they've got them. There was a Earthshock Cyberman one I wanted for ages. Um, it's like the Cyberman bursting through the door oh, yeah. in, from Earthshock. It's a yeah. great T-shirt. And uh, I kept sort of hovering over it, but it was about 20 quid. And I never bought it. And um, I'm hoping they've picked that one up because I've, I've not seen it anywhere since. So... Yeah, so it's good news. I'm really pleased they've picked it up. I just hope they've stopped using every <laughs> because they <laughs> yeah. are such a nightmare. But um, yes, it's, it's very good news. It is very cool, yeah. And just very quickly, um, the the website for Sci-Fi Collector, which is .co.uk, hasn't gone live yet, but um, they have got a they've got a temporary holding page on their current website. Yeah. And it just says that their new website is due to go live early March now. And uh, but what they did say as well, they've put a couple more details on here to say that, as well as obviously the Eagle Moss thing going bust, they said that now the dust has settled and all the legal stuff has been done. They've now managed to get all of the figures, which is good. Mm. And uh, it says that the they mentioned the launch event in St Albans and stuff, and they've got a price as well. So the first figure, uh, which is the Carvinista one, that will be fourteen ninety nine in store. Mm. Uh, we will also have stock of the cleaner robots and TARDIS consoles, the 9th and 10th Doctor, and also the Junkyard 11th Doctor editions as well, mm. which sounds very cool. And they'll also have some samples of some of the other stuff uh, and all that. So, uh, but what they mentioned before that, it says the uh, that their website will be the repository for all of their approaching 1,000 lines of Doctor Who merchandise. Wow. Old and new. So they say by the time it's ready to unveil... Uh, it will become the primary focus for our refreshed and completely reinvigorated Doctor Who activity as we approach the 60th anniversary and return of David Tennant. So I think I think these guys might be giving Forbidden Planet a bit of a run for their money, dude. It sounds like they've got a ton of stuff coming. Mm. And just very and just lastly, it says uh, we also have a special Doctor Who guest joining us for the occasion. Oh, did didn't know that. Yeah, it doesn't say that in the press release, mm. but on uh, Saturday the 18th in St Albans. He says, but with all this happening and everything happening a short space of time, um, that remains unconfirmed at the moment. So they might have somebody popping up um, to have a, a little bit of a photo op with somebody from Doctor Who. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on our Twitter because we'll, I follow these guys on Twitter and stuff. So, um, yeah, if I, if I see anything, I'll pop it on there. But that could be a cool little event, dude. And yeah, so you're going to get Carl. I'm, I'm definitely going to get the cleaner robot. Oh, mate, get it. Honestly, it's yeah. great. And do you know what I loved about the fact um, that they got it is that they, they didn't bump up the price. So obviously they, they have been the only people so far to get that figurine. They could have put it up for twice the price 
easily and they would probably still mm. would have sold because mm-hmm. every time they put up i think they get a, they seem to get a very small quantity of each so let's say 20 they sell out within 10 20 minutes right so that, that they know that they could charge more they could they could even bung an extra tenner on if they want 50 quid for that figure let's put it on but they charge the price it was going to be when it came out it doesn't come in the magazine. That's the only thing I would say. That's not their fault. They probably weren't issued. But the fact that they weren't trying to rip people off, I love that. They're, they're still charging the same price it would have been if you'd have got it from Eagle Moss, obviously minus the magazine. So I like that. It tells me they're a company that are there to supply and not just rip people off. You know what I mean? I like that. And also, I think, and I don't know if you can help me confirm this, but I'm pretty sure there is a connection to the stamp centre shop that used to be in the Strand in London. Remember that shop we used to go to, the Strands? Because they used to have little events. And the reason I say that is I would always pick up a leaflet from them whenever I went there because they always had all their latest autographs and merch in it. And I'm 99% sure that the website for those was this, Sci-Fi Collector. They're like, obviously, before they revamped it. So I think there's a connection to the Stamp Centre shop uh, Hmm. with these guys. But I could be wrong, but I'm 99% sure this is the same sci-fi collector that i used to buy stuff from which was the stamp center in london Mm. and they used to have cool little events there like tom baker used to do a lot of events there so yeah i reckon there's a connection there could be the same guy so they know what they're doing in other words yes you you could be right there dude sadly no longer there it was there for years i think it closed about two years ago but great little shop and if it is those guys even better yeah i remember popping there a couple of times with you and they had so they had a really good mix, didn't they? Of at the time, at least, some fairly modern toy lines, but also some really old, nice. Oh, they had a vintage stuff. Everything, yeah. 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 Well, I what will be telling is if when they relaunch it, if they've got the autographs because they had their own prints, didn't they? Mm, yeah. So it'll be interesting if they've got those on there. Then it it must be the same shop, same people. That does ring a bell now. You've mentioned yeah, that, yeah. Sci-fi so, collector. Yeah. Ah, so they're making a bit of a comeback. I reckon, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's them, yeah. Hmm. Well, they've got about four or five stores littered about, so um, if you're around mm. any of those, um, it does say that all these figurines are going to be available in the stores, but just this first one um, is going to be in St Albans until stocks last. So, yeah, who knows? It could be a, it could be a bit of a comeback, which is cool. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Okie dokie, no more news to talk about. Let's get on to our review, buddy. What we got? Yeah, so it's a shame, listeners, you can't see this, but me and Gary are both wearing eye patches and uh, for this review. <laughs> so it's the fourth Doctor story, The Android Invasion. Doctor, what the devil's going on? An invasion of Earth is going on, Colonel. They've made replicas of you and Harry. Confounded cheek, oh dear. The androids are unstoppable, indestructible. Hello? Resistance is inadvisable. What are these androids? I tell you, they're robots controlled by Stigron. Science will make the past invincible. The androids will disseminate a virus. It will cause a contagion so lethal, the Earth will be rid of its human population within three weeks. Then it will burn itself out, and the world will be ours. So you do intend genocide. Something will go wrong, Stigron. Nothing will go wrong. If you go into that rocket, your lives will be in deadly danger. Nobody knows who's who around here. Oh, he jinxed himself, didn't he? Yes. Saying nothing will go wrong. Nothing will go wrong. Big mistake. <laughs> yep. 
Well, yeah, then, the Android Invasion. It was first, uh, part one was first broadcast back on the 22nd of November on the... Th- was first broadcast on the 22nd of November, 1975, and then part four went out on the 13th of December. Wow. It was directed by Barry Letts, written by Terry Nation, overseen by Robert Holmes uh, and Philip Hinchcliffe, and stars Tom Baker, Liz Sladen, and about a dozen supporting cast members. And the synopsis is, the fourth Doctor and Sarah find themselves in the English village of Deversham, near a space defence station. The village seems deserted, the telephones don't work, calendars are stuck on the same date, and white-suited figures are wandering about aimlessly. Who are the Krowls, the Krowls, and what are their plans for Earth? Question mark. <laughs> okay, dude. What do you think to the Android Invasion? Mm. I, I've watched this story a lot over the years, and I just think <laughs> it, is, it is so much fun to watch. So There are so many fun moments in it, especially between uh, the Doctor and Sarah Jane. I mean, you could pick... Uh, plot holes galore out of it if you wanted to it, it, you know and i watched it again last night even though i've seen it and i kind of know it like the back mm-hmm. of my hand i i still watched it last night to try and watch it for a critical eye if you know what i mean to, to rather than watching it just for entertainment just to sort of try and uh, critique it and i mean there's yeah it's as it's ridiculous really there are so many things about the story that are ridiculous but i can forgive it all really because i just think it's such a fun watch it it's very entertaining, you know. I mean, it's four episodes long. Even though I've watched them a few times, I still found them very fun to watch last night. I wasn't getting bored at any point. It whips along at a good pace. I mean, I do think the first two episodes are are brilliant. I think they set up a nice creepy tone. You're not sure what's going on. The Doctor seems almost out of his depth. He's sort of one, full of wonder of like, what is actually happening here? And there's a lot of excitement and build up. And I love all the creepy scenes, like when the people first arrive in the pub and they just stood still and then come into action and stuff. So there are so many great, it's a great setup. I think what lets the story down is the payoff and the reason mm. behind yeah. the, like, you know, him wanting to spread this virus and things. So yeah, you could pick it to pieces if you want to, but I think it's so entertaining and so fun that I think if you just go along with it, I think it's a really good, enjoyable story. And I also think kids back in 1975 would have loved this. I mean, the first time I watched it, I loved it. Um, and I can just imagine like in the playground the next day, like the kids, you know, the scene where Sarah's face fell off to reveal the robot, which a casual viewer in these times would probably watch that scene and laugh hysterically. But I bet you back in the day when kids watched that, they thought it was amazing. And I bet they were all talking about it in school the next day in the playground and stuff. So I think kids would have loved this back in 1975 and found found it scary and, and entertaining and fun. And um, I still see all of that in in it when I watch it now. I just think it's a really fun watch, despite any plot holes. And um, <laughs> the biggest thing really that lets it down is the crawls. But even those, I just find really fun. They are like an old married couple bickering <laughs> around on this spaceship. I was I had a big grin on my face watching this last night, man. The, the way they're just moaning it in shell, they're like, Stand it down, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I know what I'm doing, you silly you know. I was just like, oh, these two are hilarious. They're almost like characters from the Muppets. And you know, it's it's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're not the best uh adversary, but yeah. Anyway, I just find it a really fun watch, mate, despite any faults it may have. 
I think it's a, a, just a good, enjoyable story. Yeah, I've always liked it. I think I always will. I see. So a thumbs up from you then? Yeah, it's a thumbs up, definitely, yeah. Okay, so for me, buddy, um, I think part one, I really like. Yeah, I think part one's very, very cool. Yeah, very cool. After that, mate, it loses me. Really? Yeah. Oh, don't you even find the crows funny? No. Oh, no, I thought you would. Yeah, I hate... They're, like, bickering around. (laughs) It's hilarious. Yeah, I hate saying that, dude. This is one of those stories, and I've, I've honestly tried to watch it um with the intent of of trying to get into it more i think this is probably the fourth time i've seen it probably for that very reason mm. and every time i finish watching it i i just think oh that was just ridiculous oh, I, said, <laughs> you know, I thought you'd like this one i really did yeah i mean i think it's one of those things where we just we need a soundbite for some of these sayings that we recycle a lot but mm. it's one of those stories for me where it's got a really really good idea the concept behind the story is so good mm. and the idea is really good, but the execution of it is terrible. Mm. Like the, um, oh, just like there were some really cool moments in episode one, which they, they never play on again, which make the story a really creep. And you would have thought as well that considering this is a, um, this is a Robert Holmes and, and, and Philip Hinchcliffe kind of thing that it would be a little bit darker as well. And have a little bit more of a creepy vibe to it, but it doesn't. It just, for some reason, Barry Letts just, he just put it across in such a way that when you think it's going to get creepy and stuff like that, it just kind of stops short of the mark for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't really know. I, I, I always struggle to it as soon. And I know I knew it was going to happen as well. I, I watched episode one and I thought, okay, because I watched this all together, all four parts. Right. As soon as I got to the end of episode one, I was like, okay, I really like that. That was cool. Yeah. Let me, let, let's just open mind this a bit. Forget the previous viewings. Let's go into episode two and literally make 15 minutes in. I'm like, no. Really? That's yeah. It. I just can't. I, I, there's something about it that, um, how do I say it? Like with quite a few other stories, even from Tom Baker's era, there's a few other stories where they're also just as ridiculous. Mm. But for some reason, they've got a charm about them and they've got a certain feel. And it just, yeah, and they're enjoyable to watch. For some, I don't know what it is, I can't put my finger on it, but this story, I just cannot, I cannot get into it past episode one, mate. Yeah. That, that surprises me because it's got all the lovely location work and yeah, exactly. Liz and Tom are just superb together in it. And it's got so many great scenes like with the, you know, with the, the doctor turning evil and Sarah turning evil as an Android and, and the pub. And is that finger loaded? It's got great moments. I just can't believe you don't like it. I know, or, mate. Or not that I know. I, don't get... I think this is up there in the same sort of humor level as, as uh, city of death you know i would say they're sort of but this oh, okay. has got a slightly sort of darker tone to it as well you know like i know what you mean there are great creepy moments like the you know the people in the pub and i think the bit when the doctor is is, is the android i think is quite creepy because tom is just playing mm. it so cold and same with liz actually she's great when she's the android as well yeah i mean don't get me wrong mate i'm i i really do there is some great scenes in it there's some yeah. great moments in it and I think the performances from Tom Baker and Elizabeth Sladen are very, very good. Mm-hmm. They're really good in it. Um, but I think some of the some of the other parts of the production are just really... 
just lackluster in a lot of ways. Like, it, it, it may as well not have been a unit story, let's be honest. It is, is it, it doesn't, I always forget unit yeah. are in it. That's, yeah. That probably says it all, to be honest, even though I've seen it a few times. Yeah, and what a shame that, um, what a shame that uh, this is the last story for, for, um, for Benson. You know, it's just, he just does hardly anything in it and he's not even that good in it is he john levine he's just well i don't think he's very yeah i think he looks a little bit perturbed uh i think he i'm surprised he came back to be honest because i think he said you know in interviews since that he wasn't happy because obviously when john pertwee was around and during mm. his time of being in uni it was a very happy atmosphere and he loved john pertwee and mm. and i think he found tom completely the opposite i don't think you know it, tom didn't really have any time for unit you know what i mean mm. so john levine probably didn't like that and i think it comes across in his performance he he almost looks a bit peed off doesn't he, he just does. sort of stood yeah. there and he doesn't look like he's into it at all so i i almost think he probably regret doing it yeah they um, should but have, it is a shame yeah. yes this yeah. is the last story last appearance yes exactly i think terry nation i think um Although he's not writing Dalek stuff here, I think the um the, he should have just left unit out of it completely because um those guys, you know, they could have been any sort of they could have just been the regular army or any kind of military mm. unit. There's no There's no brig. There's no character there behind unit. And they drafted in some old duffer. Oh yeah. Who um <laughs> what was his name? Uh I mean he, he belongs Faraday. in he belongs in the sort of Pertwee era, doesn't he? He's that very posh british yeah i mean what a ridiculous person to cast as well to replace because mm. i think nick courtney had 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 already committed himself to a theater thing that was going on at the time mm. and he was miffed anyway because he'd been messed about i think they'd booked him for another story which he agreed to and then that fell through that to change production and then that meant out he lost on some other work he lost out and stuff like that so he wasn't best happy with with the beeb and doctor who anyway so I think when it came around to trying to get him for this, he was like, well, no way. I'm not turning down more work for you to mess me about. So, And the guy that they cast, I mean, he's probably a lovely guy. He probably really is um, Patrick Newell, who plays Colonel Faraday. But mm. they're just they cast the most obvious... Um, Pompous. Yeah. So, that, you know, so anyway, so that's, that leaves a bit of a, a sour taste, you know, especially for Benton, you know. He, he, I don't know. It, <laughs> Anyway, and then the other thing is, um, the other thing that I think does it for me also is that it's sandwiched between two of my favourite Tom Baker stories. Mm -hmm. So those two are just, for me, leagues ahead of this one. Um, so Pyramids of Mars before this, Brain of Morbius afterwards. Yes. You can just, like, the, the I don't know, like the production on those two and the feel of those two, and, and they're just leagues ahead. And then when you get to this one, it's like, okay, we're going to keep the momentum going. We've got a great story concept. We've got a great idea. This is going to be cool. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I know you're looking at me thinking, dude, what's wrong with you? Because I know you love this one, but I don't know. It's like, there was a quote. Who's, who, there was a quote, wasn't there? Somebody who was involved in it uh, had said in an interview, um, I think it was a, uh, was it was it was it Barry Letts at the end of the day? I think it was either Barry Letts or um or or somebody had basically said uh so Terry Nation had said that 
um, he wanted the Krolls to look way different. And he yes. thought that the, the end design was not that great. And then I think it was uh, Philip Hinchcliffe then said in an interview that um, he admitted that the the ending story for Unit was handled really badly. Mm. Um, and he was really didn't like the way that the Krolls delivered their lines behind the mask and stuff like that. And then Terry Nation finally said that he felt his story was a really cool and nice idea, but the end product just didn't fulfill the vision. So that I think that when I watch this, I think those things are in my head, not because I'm allowing them to influence my enjoyment of it, but I just share the same thoughts. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I, dude, that's my, uh, yeah. I agree about the crawls, mate. I think they're probably the worst thing in it. Um, because I think that's the, <laughs> the <worst> that's, thing. <laughs> well, the, the thing is you do get quite a good, like you said, episode one, you get a good creepy setup. Yeah. But then once, as soon as they come on screen and the voice, they sound sort of almost too comedic. They, the masks aren't very good. Um, the costumes aren't very good. They just don't, the design of them isn't very good. And it mm-hmm. does take away, I think, the atmosphere almost changes to a more lighthearted comedic tone. And it's funny because e- even though I've seen this quite a lot, um, I was sat there thinking, this is the Hinchcliffe. Is this the? This must be during the Hinchcliffe era, because I do get confused which stories are in which season and blah blah mm-hmm. blah. And I was thinking, well, it must be because Liz Sladen's still in it, so it's got to be the Hinchcliffe era. But I was questioning the tone of it because very often, and this is right in the middle of the Hinchcliffe era as well. It's not like it yeah. was at the start where they were sort of testing things. And Hinchcliffe, you know, that era tends to be dark and more gothic and has a more creepy, scary tone. Even stuff like Robots of Death, which also has lots of fun elements, has a very creepy feel to it and can be quite scary. And I think, so I do get what you mean about the tone. So after episode one, I think that sort of creepiness does seem to filter out. And and you could almost feel like you're in the Graham Williams era. It doesn't feel like a Hinchcliffe era story. So I, I get that. Um, but I suppose the only thing I could say in its defence is maybe that was quite nice because you don't want all the stories to have the same feel so maybe this is quite nice plonking this one in the middle and having something a bit more light-hearted but i do get what you mean because i did sort of question that at the time thinking is finish Hinchcliffe like behind this or not because this doesn't feel like something from his era no um that's weird but i i think that can be seen as a you could take it both ways it could be seen it was a bit of a light relief in the middle of the series if you know what i mean but yeah no i do get what you mean about that and i do agree about the design of the crowds they <laughs> they let it down for me but i, I just find them quite funny <laughs> they are humorous aren't they yeah it's yeah. more so the bickering and the um well and the flashing um, light bulbs behind them as well you know the, the yeah. multicolor swap shop they've got going on in the spaceship <laughs> and that yeah but yeah. I, I mean it, yeah if there's any if there's one thing i can't sort of forgive and every time i watch it, it my heart sort of sinks a little bit is the bit with the eye patch at the end because that that to me is just ludicrous and and Terry Nation's got to take the blame for that. <laughs> I mean, it, when he removes the eye patch and he didn't need it the whole time, that's stupid. Like what? He's never itched his eye. He's never washed and had to take the eye patch off. It, you know what I mean? He couldn't see daylight under that eye patch. It to, to, for him to for, Cray, for Crayford to be wearing that eye patch all this time and not realise he's actually. Mm. doesn't need it he's actually got an eye under there is is ludicrous a little bit that's the yeah. only bit really that i really cringe at every <laughs> single time is when he whips it off and he goes oh 
I've I've got two eyes, and I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> but that's that's got to be down to Terry Nation. He wrote that, so he can't, he can't blame anyone else for that. But no, uh, and, no. And why would they put him in an eye patch? I don't, it's just the most stupidest thing. Yeah. yeah, it just I think it's it's just a, a device, isn't it, to to have some kind of big reveal at the end that he'd been played like a fool and yeah, you know, <laughs> it but doesn't it, make sense. <laughs> Well, I, I get the I get the sort of idea is there, but it doesn't. I think he should have tried to, to <laughs> something else. That, that's pretty poor writing, at the best of times. That. No, I read you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that it. it and also, what was Harry doing there as well? That was a bit of a. I yeah. Weird so I meant to say well. that. Yeah. yeah, I meant to say that when you mentioned it being Benton's last story because it's it's Harry's last one as well, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, and it is a shame, and and they don't really get anything to do, especially Harry. Um, like you said, may as well be could be anybody. Didn't need to be Harry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's that's actually Philip Hinchcliffe's fault to an extent because he, looking at the making of he, Harry and Benton, I think had bigger parts in the story, and Hinchcliffe told Robert Holmes to change it. I know it was written by. Um, Terry Nation, but Robert Holmes sort of had input, mm-hmm. and he told either Terry Nation or Robert Holmes to to make sure that Sarah was the focus of the story, not Benton and Terry. So that was changed during the writing process. So that's why they they very much get scaled back in anything they have to do, is because Hinchcliffe wanted it more for Sarah to do. He wanted the companion to be right, right gotcha. in the middle of it. So yeah. that's you know a decision that Hinchcliffe made. Yeah, which okay. I think mm, I don't know may may or may not have been the right decision, but you're right; they don't get anything to do. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about some good stuff though before we get on to some characters because there are some really good stuff yeah. happening in this in this story. That I really liked the creepiness of when they go into the pub. Yes. So it all starts a bit creepy as well when they're in the woods and they uh, they see one of the unit guys wandering around looking a bit weird. So he's obviously mm-hmm. a malfunctioning. Um, android he dives off the cliff and whatnot yeah um, and we have that suspenseful scene you know with Sarah tumbling down and you mm-hmm. know she has to be rescued and stuff like that and then a bit further on they um, they go into the village um, but it's deserted right yeah it all looks a bit creepy and that's the stuff that I really enjoyed from yes. episode one this kind of um, uh, you know this kind of really suspenseful um, thing uh, happening and you weren't quite sure why uh it was happening in the first place it kept you sort of in the dark for a while you just knew that they were being hunted by these androids in the white suits which were fairly menacing and whatnot um, but you didn't really know much else other, other than that so when they get to the village which is this really lovely little village isn't it in oxfordshire somewhere is it east hagborn east hagborn yeah yeah which is really cool and it's um um just deserted and when they look around the pub they can see all the coins all the currencies freshly minted and mm. it just something feels off which i really liked and then to enhance that they see a truck pull up and all these people get off but they look really weird and they get into the into the pub and it's a bit like they just freeze and wait for you know life to continue if you like and then the, the alarm goes off and then it's really weird so you think like okay are these people now androids but they've got some sort of mind wipe going on there they don't know they're androids they just you know that something's going on but they do because when the the doctor comes out or sarah comes out 
they all kind of know what's going on. Mm. And then the performances of the of the supporting cast during those periods where um, Sarah knows that they're androids, but she escapes and stuff. It's really cool. It's just got this kind of uneasy, um, sort of menacing suspense to it, which is really cool. So that stuff was very cool. Um, have you done a location thing on this? Because I know you, you went out to a few places, didn't you, back in the day on your YouTube channel. Did you go to Hagborn? yeah did, yeah so I, i've been there a couple of times actually so yeah shameless plug i did a um i've done a video uh where i go back to the location on my youtube channel um going I up look, so. I, it's, yeah. yeah i did, did it's a few years ago now but it hasn't changed at all and it is an absolutely lovely little village to village uh village to visit um it, it looked exactly the same uh the, the fleur de lis pub is exactly the same although obviously the inside was a set in the thing but what's great is they have um when you go into the pub, they've got this big uh, photo frame on the wall with, with about uh, 10 pictures or whatever of filming pictures of when the crew were there. There are black and white pictures. Uh, I don't think you'll see them anywhere else. So I assume the landlord or locals took them. And it's just like of Tom and Liz signing autographs. It's Tom and Liz outside the pub. It's Tom and Liz with the landlord of the pub. That are beautiful um, photos. And they've got a big signed picture of Tom. By the, on on the actual bar itself, you know, it's a, a shot of him when he gets tied up to the um, monument in in the village. They've got that above the pub, signed actually hand signed by Tom. So it's a, it's a lovely village to to visit. Not to be confused with Oldbourne. It's yeah, it's, it's close to Oldbourne actually. In fact, yeah. the last time I went there, my friend, <laughs> we'd had such a good day. We'd had a little drink in the in the in the fleur de lis, and he said. Oldbourne's are only like less than 20 miles up the road. Should we go there as well? And of course, I was like, yeah. <laughs> so we did a, we double dipped. We went to Oldbourne uh, the same day. So it's actually, yeah, I think it's less than 20 miles. Don't quote me on that, but it was certainly close enough for us to do both in one day, although it was slight, starting to get a bit uh, dusk by the time we got there. But two great places to visit because they haven't changed. You know, they just feel, mm. you feel like every time, that, maybe that's why I enjoy this is because when I watch Tom walking up, to the monument or to the church or to the pub, I, f- I feel like, oh God, it looks the same. I've been there. And maybe <laughs> that's why I get such a kick from it. Cause uh, I, I love the location. You know, I, yeah. I just think it's a, it, it also, because you said about the creepiness of that scene, I, I think when you bring it to somewhere like that, that looks a lot, you know, it, it makes it slightly more realistic because it's bringing it back to something very rural, you know? So there's probably lots of villages like that that people live yeah. in and when they're watching it they're thinking oh that's cool that could be around the corner you know so i like that yeah so just for the benefit uh dear listener if you've not heard of oldborn it's um it's the it's the place that they filmed um it was devil's end which was the village in the story the daemons that's uh, it yeah the, the pertwee story and it's very similar it's got like a village green with a monument there and a church yeah, and stuff so yeah. when i first saw this story ages ago i was like we've been here before but then you know quickly realize it's a different village but yeah um go and check out adam's um location uh, videos uh, they're really really cool I, I think they were one of the first videos i watched of yours actually back in the day well, it is a few years old now yeah mm. it's it's i mean i remember being really proud of that video at the time <laughs> i think if i did it now it'd probably be better because like i've learned how to do things like add music and <laughs> you know and commentary but yeah go and have a look i think it's still i think it's still quite a fun video to watch and it's yeah you'll see the location and how little it's changed and that so yeah 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 uh, okay what did you think to um the swapping of of characters then because there was the moment where sarah jane was captured there's a really cool scene where they're legging away from the unit soldiers with the dogs and the doctor's 
takes her scarf to sort of throw the scent off the dog. She climbs up the tree, sort of yeah. throws her up the tree. <laughs> um, and then he's legging away and he's taking his coat off and his hat and everything. And, you know, and he's that really cool scene where you think, where's the bloody, where's he gone? Mm. And then he's, he's been submerged under the water in the river. And then he comes up and he looks, you know, drenched, bless him. And, and I, I, I was thinking, I bet Tom hated doing that. I bet that was one of the moments where Tom was not in a good mood. But apparently, <laughs> much to my shock, he insisted on doing it. So uh, Barry Lett yeah. said, we'll get, we'll get um, Terry Walsh, the stunt guy, to do that. And Tom insisted on doing it, but probably regretted it. Because as you may have noticed in a lot of the <laughs> location scenes, his voice has gone he's got a bad throat and that is due to the (laughs) fact that he did that scene in the water um which caused gave him a throat infection or something so you may notice particularly in the scene when he's talking to sarah realizes she's an android you'll notice tom's throat is very croaky and that's all because he he did that that scene but i'm amazed he wanted to do it i thought tom might have been like you know let Terry go in there. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, especially as Tom Baker's got a phobia of water. I think he Has wanted he? to. Uh, yeah, I think he wanted to just make sure it was a legit scene, you know, because they could have filmed it from behind and just have Terry Walsh come up out totally, of the water and yeah. stuff like that. But you, you really needed to see Tom's face come out of the water. I think. But as a follow-on from that, he actually went to hospital, didn't he? Because mm. um, he had swallowed so much of the stagnant water. Ugh. That he had to go and have his stomach pumped. Oh, I didn't know that. Actually, yeah. I knew I knew he got affection from it. Yeah, yeah. So I think all good intentions of him wanting to do the scene, but then for the next two weeks after that, he just felt dreadful. And like you said, his throat sounds a bit raspy, and yeah, bloody hell. I, d- I just wondered, do you think he'd had a few in the pub before, and they were like, Defo. "Okay, Tom, we'll, we'll Terry's <laughs> going to do this," and he's come out. He's he's got a bit of the old, you know. <laughs> courage from the old pints he's like i'll i'll do this dear boy don't worry i'll i've got this mm-hmm. you know maybe he had a bit of dutch courage from the fleur-de-lis and <laughs> i don't know absolutely yeah because he regretted it mm. yeah because there's no that, considering he wasn't really a fan of being in water mm. and also that that didn't look like the cleanest of oh no it doesn't <laughs> I, no. I can't imagine he would you know volunteer to do that 100 percent sober so mm. Uh, yeah, that's a good, very good scene though. And then when they capture Sarah, they take her into the ship and they do the whole, you know, um, it's a bit like a, a sort of a body snatchers situation, isn't it? And um, they make a perfect replica of her. And mm. uh, it's a really cool, but um, really cool scene when the doctor figures out that it's not the real Sarah Jane. You know, when they go, I think they're in the pub, aren't they? Or somewhere, or they're on the run somewhere. And he's got the bottle of... Um, ginger pop ginger pop yeah and earlier on in the story sarah said she finds it revolting that drink and he offers some to her and she take you know she's like oh it's really nice sort of thing and you can see his face is like he realizes gotcha yeah he realizes so those scenes are really cool and then later on obviously when uh the the doctor is captured and he's duplicated and his android version is very creepy because tom plays the the android version of his doctor with just these um, wide eyes that just stare very mm. really creepy so those were very cool dude the the replicant android stuff and the design of the androids you know when you see someone's face come off yeah and it's just like mechanical things <laughs> zipping around stuff for the time i think they look really cool you know it's it, it, yeah i was gonna say it's done well enough i think for the time i still it kind of has that slightly nostalgic uh, uh feel to it like when it happens you know what i mean i think oh that's 
I kind of like it, even though by today's standards it looks a bit ropey. I just think it's, uh, yeah, for the time, I think it's quite good, you know. Yeah. yeah I think it's just the two eyes on stalks <laughs> yeah. that probably just make it look a bit... Creepy, yeah. Uh, comical. Oh, yeah. comical. I found them really creepy, actually. Oh, right, and, um, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, there would have been some some whispers in the playground uh, after they saw Sarah Jane's face come off. Because uh, there's, a, there's a bit where... Um, she gets a pistol out and she starts shooting at the doctor as he yes. runs off. Yeah. And that was done really well because you've got the, the upper torso of the Sarah Jane android. Yeah. And obviously it's filmed where you can't see below that, but someone's hand firing the gun. And that's really creepy. I found that very creepy. That It's very cool, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's the sort of thing that if I was a kid in 1975, I would have absolutely loved that. That particular <laughs> bit you've just mentioned, you know, where her face falls off and then she gets up with the android face and starts shooting at the doctor. I mean, God, you'd have been loving that back in 1975. That would have looked incredible, I think. Yeah, definitely. As as a kid. I mean, I don't know what adults would have thought, but, you know, anyone around sort of 10, 11, like, you know, would have loved that, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was very cool. What did you think to the story of um, Guy Crayford then and his, Mm. what's going on with him? Because he was an astronaut, wasn't he, that went out on a mission uh, gets accosted by the Krals and uh, they kind of <laughs> they kind of stitch him up, don't they, in a way? <laughs> they kind of present this thing to him that, you know, there's going to be this experiment and whatnot. But in reality, they want to release a virus that's going to wipe everybody out. And, um, and, yeah, so he's kind of fighting the fight, if you like, on behalf of the Krals. And uh, although he has got a bit of, I don't know, he comes across anyway like he's got a bit of a, a decent heart still if that makes any sense but yes, uh, because yeah. they instruct him to destroy the doctor and intruders and stuff and he and he sort of uh gives him a stay of execution at least for a while and you know cause i think it's um uh, uh which one is it i think it's um uh is it stigron i can't remember which one it is just flustered with him and loses his temper he's like oh fine whatever you know i've busy got stuff to do so yeah he, he sort of delays the doctor being destroyed and whatnot mm-hmm. um but he's an interesting character isn't he because he's he's kind of sold on the idea by the crawls and he's fighting the fight for them and it's only at the end you know with the whole eye patch thing that he sort of realizes that ah not good not yeah. good you know we're about to basically lose all life on earth to these so anyway um but he was very cool milton johns as his character it was Mm. just a shame that um uh the eye patch thing at the end sort of dilutes the the nice bit of depth that we had to that character yeah so up until that point so 99 percent of his performance and his character is is very cool Mm. and um and have we seen milton johns before in in something to He's, he's a lovely actor he, he pops up in little bit parts in all sorts of things yeah, uh, yeah. D- during the sort of 70s and 80s and maybe before that um he, look. was it a z car yeah z cars sure. yes sure. Yeah, I was, yeah i wouldn't be surprised he, he's just one of those actors that used to pop up on the tv a lot and he's he, i don't think i ever saw him in a leading role he was always a sort of side character but he's always very good at those characters if you know what i mean and i think this is no exception i think he's great as Cranford, because you do sort of sympathise with him in a bit. He's kind of been a little bit, um, you know, they've pulled, pulled, the Krals have pulled the wool over his eyes, really. He's not a bad person. Um, and, it, like, this comes back to what you were saying about the execution 
of the idea, really. It's a lovely idea that the Krolls have, you know, sort of um, made him think that they've saved him and they've operated on him and saved his life. So he's got this gratitude for them and he totally believes their plan and all this sort of stuff. So I like that. He's not a villain or a bad person. He's just deluded, basically. And I think he's beautifully played um, by Milton Johns. I think it's a really lovely performance. Um, it, the, the thing with the eye patch is that it, when you first see him, <laughs> because he's got the eye patch, you assume he's going to be. Oh, here's the baddie. This is the villain. Because it just, I don't know. It just, I think that's just what you think when you see someone with an eye patch. And so the fact that he turns out not to be, he's actually quite a nice character. But he's going along with this dreadful, quite elaborate, ridiculous plan. Um, yeah, it's quite a rounded character. But like, I think it comes back to what you said. It does get lost in the execution because the eye patch reveal is. Um, you know, just it's yeah. too silly for words, really. A little you know? bit. He's yeah. not that stupid. That's that's the thing. He's likable. He's deluded, but he's still quite a sort of rounded character. But the bit with the eye patch at the end just makes him look like an, an absolute idiot, which he's <laughs> he's not really. You he's know? not, is he? No, no. And like you said, he is a rounded character. He is he is cool, but um, yeah, yeah. So a story that we haven't reviewed yet, but one that we've obviously seen a couple of times: the invasion of time. The other Tom Baker story. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. He plays Castellan Kellner. Okay. That's right. In that story, yeah. So um, he just had that face. I was like, you've been in Who before. And uh, yeah, so he was, um, that's obviously a very different vibe. Yeah. <laughs> that well, story. I, I, I've seen him in like Minder and the Sweeney. And he, he often plays these sort of slightly slimy sort of side characters, mm. but he's, he always gives a nice performance. There is something about him as an actor that I, I quite like. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like he's always going for it. And I also feel like there might have been scenes when him and Tom might have been really holding back the laughter. I, I, there's a scene where he was opposite Tom and I, I swear he was really trying hard not to laugh. I could be wrong. I could be totally reading into that. But it, it, he just had this sort of look on his face like, I don't know. I felt like there was probably bants between him and Tom. A few bants, yeah. I'm definitely. Just, that's just in my own head. I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just looked like it to me. I just imagine it. <laughs> No, Rija, that's probably mm. true. There was a there was a few actors that um, do you know what, mate? I think it's all down to the 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 trip to the pub, you know, yeah, at lunchtime. It's a lovely pub, yeah, yeah, because um, we know that John Pertwee and Nick Courtney used to go to the pub a lot mm. <laughs> when they were when they were filming together, and as a result, there was loads of times that's been documented where they just fell about laughing during some quite serious scenes, and so I, I get the feeling that Tom, although by all accounts, just through through various interviews over the years and whatnot, I think Tom has always come across as a little bit more standoffish than John Pertwee. Um, I don't I don't know what what that's about, but I don't know. What you mean in the, as in filming with him? Or? As in filming with him? Yeah, he always yeah. seems to have this kind of barrier up that made him not as approachable as somebody like John Pertwee, who was very open and. Um, warm to everybody whereas I think John uh, Tom Baker's I don't know depends who you speak to and who's who was interviewed at the time I think but mm-hmm. um some people will say that he was like the nicest guy on the planet you know and all that stuff other people will say that he was a real moody bee I think and... towards the end of his run wasn't he, he had <laughs> yeah. Bit, yeah he'd got a bit uh tetchy yes yeah. but I, I think though that he strikes me as one of those guys especially back in the day not necessarily now but back in the day when he was the playing the doctor he always came comes across to me as once you got to know him he was like your best mate Mm. you know it was just that initial sort of hump to get over 
mm. to sort of get in his good books, if you know what I mean. Um, mm. And I would assume that some of the actors that he worked with, the the lunchtime pint or three, would have very much helped that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you can you can tell a mile off that um, him and Milton Johns would have had a bit of a laugh. You know, with some other people as well. Probably when he was filming with um, uh, with um, uh, Ian Martyr and you know some other people. Mm-hmm. You know, he would have had a few pints and had a good laugh. So, but what a time though to, to, been to down the, do you know? Yeah, what a time to have been a fly on the wall though at some of those lunchtime drinking sessions with those guys. You know, not just Tom Baker, but uh, we know that um, Pat Trout and loved a drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so wow, that would have been amazing. Do you imagine just imagine just being in the pub somewhere, and then remember you and I spoke about this recently when we went to that pub in London a couple of weekends ago, and um, we both said, imagine walking in and just seeing Stephen Moffat in the corner. Yeah, you know, because <laughs> yeah. uh, he was known for doing that, right? Stephen yeah, yeah, Moffat. it's a pub that he's, yeah. he's, he has been in, yeah, a few times. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine back in the day, just walking in the pub and seeing Tom Baker in the corner, just having a pint with Philip Hinchcliffe or whoever, and you know Milton Johns just having a crack. And especially in this oh. story, because imagine going in the Fleur de Lis and you got Tom Baker, Barry Letts, John Levine, uh, Milton Johns, uh, Elizabeth Sladen, just all sat around getting lashed. <laughs> you know, they're going to do some filming in a minute, you know, because it's, yeah, it's a very cosy pub. And yeah. um, we did jokingly check the dartboard while we were in there, just in case it had a scanner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, you, you just can't imagine, can you? I bet they had a, a blast. Yeah. Cause I don't know how long they're in that village for, but yeah. Well, back in the day, you didn't have all this kind of security going on and uh, cordoning off the entire village. Because that mm. would have, if they were went to that village now, like Shooty and, and all those guys filming, you'd not get anywhere near it. Like it would no, all be cordoned no. off. You wouldn't be able to go anywhere near it. Back in the day, you'd be able to go in the pub still, as long as they weren't filming. Mm. You could walk around and still see them. I think there's loads of photos, isn't there, with Tom yeah. Baker surrounded by kids who lived in a village. And I think that's that, that yeah. famous picture of him, like, surrounded by hundreds of kids signing yeah. autographs i'm pretty sure that's from this village and yeah because the pictures that are on the pub wall you know it's yeah like you said it's just lots of people villages there around them and i'm sure they all a lot of them still remember it being filmed there and stuff so and i like the oh, fact oh, that the pubs embraced it if you know yeah. what i mean yeah they, they still love it what a yeah. time mate to yeah have just have gone in there and oh god anyway um yeah milton johns i think it's, yeah he, he played this really well it's just um Anyway, uh, what about the um? Just before we move on to um, uh, Tom and Liz, uh, so your sort of final opinion on the Krals then is mm. not too bad, but they're just a little bit comedic for a, a potentially darker story. I think they needed to be darker, in my opinion. Yeah, they they are. The, the, I'm conflicted on the Krals because they they do let the story down for me, but I also find them quite funny. <laughs> If you know what I mean, I, just because I said they're like this old bickering alien couple, which I find quite amusing, but they they definitely let the story down. I don't really like the design of them, like I don't like the outfits or the masks in particular. Look, uh, even though Doctor Who's never really been one, you know, during this sort of time period for having, you know, a budget to make good prosthetics, e- even by the standards of 1975, I think they look pretty ropey. So, yeah, for me, they do let the story down on a few levels. Design, 
and they are a bit comedic and the voices as well they just sound like a, a bit you know what you're saying about the brigadier guy that sort of pompousness that yeah. Englishness it's you know it's not very they don't sound very alien or scary or creepy you know so yeah I'm conflicted mate because I do find them funny but they they also are the weak link in the story for me as well yeah true yeah true 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 uh, okay yeah they haven't appeared have they in anything other than I think a couple of big Finnish stories oh yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah and I also find them a little bit unoriginal in a way like there's no real good backstory from them there's no depth there mm. it's just a you know a, a species that just wants to take over the planet and we've seen that a billion times yeah do you know what I mean so but yeah um, I know what you mean on those guys dude yeah mm. uh, right then so Liz Sladen really good story for her Yes, it is. In yeah. this one. she um, It's one of those just quintessential Sarah Jane stories where she's not being bossed around. She knows exactly what she wants to do and she handles herself well. There's even a scene where the Doctor just leaves her to it. We know in, in episode one when we're in the pub mm-hmm. and um, they're kind of peering from behind the door and stuff. The yeah. Doctor's like, right, I'm off because <laughs> I need to go and investigate this thing. You'll be right, won't you? And before she even has a chance to say, he's closed the door and... So he trusts that she's capable um, of of doing that stuff, which is really cool. And she does, you know, she has a, she doesn't be a, she doesn't, she's not bullied by anybody or anything like that. So, and then it's a, a really subtle, but really good performance when she's playing the replicant of her as well. Mm. So I think sometimes in some other sci-fi back in the day with that kind of concept, I think it's easy, really easy to just push it too far and try and overact that you're not the human version of yourself. Yes, definitely. Yeah, whereas I think Liz Layden in this, she plays it subtly enough that you know that's not the real Sarah Jane, but mm. it's not a massive giveaway. Like, if my wife was walking through the room at that moment, she'd look at the TV and go, oh, it's Sarah Jane. She wouldn't look at it and mention, oh, that's doesn't that's not the real Sarah Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, it, she wouldn't know any yeah. different. Yeah, whereas so, we do, um, yeah. Yeah, so I thought she had a really good story, and... Um, mm. And she's in it a lot as well, which is good. She, Like you said, it was... Um, did you mention that the writing was changed a little bit so the focus was on Sarah Jane rather than, yeah. you know, Benson and, and stuff like that? So, yes, really like Liz Lane in this one. And it's just... Um, she's consistently great, especially in this era of Who. Like, she's got such a great rapport with Tom Baker. Um, even to the point where I think they um, they just ditched the script on some scenes, especially the closing one in this story, the closing scene, they just ditched it and improvised a load of it. So those two are really cool together, um, especially during this this part of it. So yeah, uh, I assume you're a fan as well of her in this one. Yeah, I, I was going to just uh, just echo what you said there. The rapport between her and Tom in this story, I think, is absolutely peak fourth Doctor Sarah Jane. I think they're just bouncing off each other like amazingly. And yeah, her performance is great. It's a good story for her. And like you said about the subtlety, when she becomes an android, she doesn't overdo it. Uh, it's just little movements. Like, I love the bit where she gets out of the casket. And all she, she sort of turns her legs almost as if she's a doll, doesn't she? It's just a real yeah. subtle... You know what I mean? It's just that, just the fact she thought, hang on up. So if I was getting out of this as an android, I would do it this way. You know, it's such a subtle little difference to make rather than just climbing out of the casket. Um, and, you know, the scenes like at the end when they're in the pods and the doctor's saying... 
So as long as we don't lose air, as long as this doesn't burn up on entry, as long as that, and she's sort of saying, so as long as that doesn't happen, we'll be fine, you know. And she, it, it's, <laughs> I think it's just some really lovely moments from Sarah Jane in this, and most of them are when she's bouncing off of Tom and uh, the two of them together. I think they they kind of make the story for me. Really, I just find the scenes that they're in. Um, they've always got a, a good line, like when Tom says, "Is that finger loaded?" and um, stuff like that. There's there's lots of good moments from both of them, and yeah, it's a good one for for Liz Layden. She 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 just really runs with it. She really goes with it and gives yeah. a good performance. Yeah, yeah, she's very cool. Yep. Yeah, and other than a bit of a raspy voice here and there, <laughs> Mr. Baker is very good in this one, isn't he? He's um he is good in it. Yes. Yeah, not so much the big um, cheeky. Um, Colgate smile in this one as we've seen mm. some other stories around this time but still very very strong um, in, in his performance and uh, yeah no complaints for me dude on old Mr Baker just a bit like Liz Sladen at this point in the game you can just rely on them to be so good mm. so um, yeah I, I think at this point where are we now this is series 12 is it 13 13 13 yeah. yeah so at this point with those two regardless of the script regardless of the story you can rely on those two just to be firing on all cylinders and they're they're very good together and tom is um a big part of that obviously so yeah i, I like him in this one he's very good yeah it's funny with tom because although although he's sort of consistently good as the doctor i think throughout his whole run he does change a lot in his performance and i think when you when you go back and watch different stories from different seasons you really notice it so when we did the arc in space a couple of weeks back we were saying how i don't know it's a subtlety but it's definitely there you notice a sort of a brashness in his doctor in that story whereas this one with sarah he's still got that wonderful alien quality but he's there's more of the humor and the big smiles have started to creep in and the wide eyes and you know the more of the humor and i think this to me, he's really sort of peak fourth doctor, really, this season, uh, season 13. I think he's really absolutely firing on all cylinders. And maybe that's because he's with Sarah Jane as well. They're such a great team. Um, but then, yeah, you look at later stories, you know, the sort of Graham Williams era where it was very comedic and Tom's with Lala. And it's it, that that fourth doctor feels very different to me if I contrast it to even this fourth doctor you know if i watch it the story i don't sit there and particularly notice it but you know what i mean if you put the two together and then you compare that even more to his last season season 18 where he's quite snappy and broody and um you know that that sort of real sort of zipping around fun element of the fourth doctor's kind of gone it's it's still there but not anywhere near as like it was in this Mm -hmm. sort of season so i think tom's really sort of reached like peak, peak, you know, perfection in his performance in this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a beautiful performance, I think, from Tom in this story. And I think in this season as a whole, I just think it's great. It's the the season that I most want to be released on Blu-ray. Funny enough, we were talking about the Blu-rays earlier. Oh, definitely, mate. Season yeah. 13, because it's just, I think every story in this one is a, is a cracker. Uh, you know, I mean, even this one, this and this one, and Planet of Evil, maybe, are probably the two that are the weakest in the season. But I still think they're really good stories. It just shows, you know, how strong season thirteen is. So I yeah. get this horrible feeling it's going to be one of the last sets to be <laughs> released, but it's the one I want the most. I think it's a great season. So this this is not peak story in it, but it's still really, really good fun. And yeah, Tom's great in it. 
he's absolutely great in it yeah it's very cool so this uh, yeah i think i I don't want to mention it too much again but Mm. for me i i think that tom is way better in pyramids of mars and the brain of morbius either side of this he seems to be a lot more animated in those stories and even like actually mate even the other stories in this season or this series, I find him to be more animated, especially like Terror of the Zygons. Mm, oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah. The the other two, and then the Seeds of Doom that we reviewed a little while ago. Mm. I think he, um, I don't know, for this story, he's great, don't get me wrong, he is good. He's just playing it slightly differently. He's got more of a, more of um, a, reser- uh, is reserve the right word? I'm not really sure. It's not. He's not holding back at all. He's just playing it in a much more, um uh more serious tone mm. i think which i think is actually a good thing you know because i think if he was just clown like and laughing all over the place uh i think it would it would add to the ridiculousness of some of the things in the story yeah. whereas because he's playing it more serious and stuff it's counterbalances some of the more comedic unintentional comedic stuff you know mm. with the crawls and stuff so yeah um, yeah, a big thumbs up for Tom in this one. Yes. Yeah. yeah um, and lastly on my notes, dude, as always, uh, can't forget the music. So old Dudders, <laughs> old, old Dudley, Dudley Simpson, um, uh, a bit sparse, but there was a couple of scenes, especially in episode three and four, got these really great iconic moments. And they, I always recognize it because when I listen to the, um, you know, the 50th anniversary compilation that they put together years ago. Yes. Yeah. Um, they uh, they included, didn't they, all of the old classic uh, music from all those stories. And I remember this one, when it comes on thinking, yeah, this is a great piece of music. Mm-hmm. He kind of drifts away, doesn't he? Because he went through a bit of an experimental phase where some of his music was more kind of um, uh, just weird kind of synthy sounds. And, you know, yeah. he went through that phase. But this one, he's kind of coming back a bit more to actual scored suspenseful music so yeah I, I like this music in this one there's just not a great deal of it that you remember but certainly in episode three and four there's just a couple of um pieces of music that sound very dark and suspenseful so yeah no complaints there either no no complaints to Doug, dougie on this one uh it's, it's a nice school yeah it it doesn't um stand out uh, uh, i'll be honest it doesn't there isn't anything where i thought god oh, that's you know like you said it, it's just nice and it, it suits the story and um it's a uh, it, yeah it's it's just good yeah uh, it's a good school <laughs> it's just good. i'm just looking at so i'm looking at did i say dougie i meant dudley <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm thinking of dougie canfield for some reason oh dougie. dudley simpson yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah yeah it's, it's it's a nice school yeah it's just a typical dudley yeah simpson. yeah yeah <laughs> anything else on your notes dude no, I don't think so, mate. No, for some reason, oh yeah, I've just got July the sixth written down. I think that's just because I like that scene where they, you know, that's again a nice <laughs> a nice idea that's in the script where the calendar's just got the same date on it. Everything's a replica, but no, yeah. I haven't got any other notes, mate. No. Yeah, well, it kind of adds in, doesn't it, to the the reveal that is a lot larger than what you think it is. So yeah, you yeah. you think that the crawls have um, uh, have done something weird to the village that's on Earth. And it turns out that they're not on Earth at all. So spoilers if you haven't seen this, mm-hmm. listener. But uh, so that's really cool. So you knew that something was coming up later in the story that revealed why these quirky little things were happening, but then you didn't realise it was quite as extreme as they're not even on Earth at all. You know, that's the, the entire place has been recreated as part of this experiment, quote unquote. 
I, I did actually. I really liked that that element of the story. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that before we wrapped up. Actually, because I I liked that twist in the middle of this isn't Earth. This is a playground, and it just evaporates. I thought that was really cool. And actually, you just reminded me of the the other element I liked in the story was um, that. Sarah Jane, because I, I think that the thing of her being a reporter, I, I often forget that. It gets mentioned a little bit during the Pertwee era, but kind of gets dropped, I think. So I do like the fact that they remind us that Sarah Jane was a reporter and she had visited there two years ago and she knows who Crayford is mm-hmm. and she remembers the pub landlord. So that's quite nice. That's another element of the story I liked that, that she sort of had, had been there and it kind of fills in that gap of who Crayford is. Oh, I remember him. He was an astronaut, blah, blah, blah. So I liked that element of the story as well. Yeah, yeah. And a few years ago, back in the day, when the BBC had um, a proper Sarah Jane Adventures website, uh, which was kind of yeah. themed around the Sarah Jane Adventures and her at that point in her life, there was a there's a there's some newspaper stories that were on the website, and one yeah. of the headlines was that she had she had travelled to Davisham to cover oh. the story of like weird going ons and stuff like that. So they oh, reference really? yeah, so they reference yeah. it a couple of times yeah, and, and other things. It's very cool. Oh, that's good. I didn't know that. That's mm. pretty cool. Okie dokie. I think it's score time. It's me to go first, isn't it? Yeah, you go first. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to give this dude a six out of ten. A six. A six. Yeah, because um, it's not middle of the road. It's not that bad. It's uh, it's a fairly good watch. But I, I, yeah, I don't want to go over the negatives again. I'd want to try and leave mm. on a positive, of course. But yeah, it's um, it just doesn't land for me, mate. This story at all. But the performances um, bring this up a little bit. Um, from you know a lower score so yeah. a six from me what about you yeah I'm a little bit torn on it mate because I want to give it an eight because I thoroughly enjoy it and I just think it's really enjoyable but I also wonder if that's uh, normally an eight for me is you know is really 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 good and there is a lot of plot holes and things that are a bit ludicrous with this story so I don't know whether I should drop that to a 7.5 <laughs> I don't know I normally reserve an eight for a really strong story. And I think this one, you know, I might do a, who's the <laughs> one that always does really specific scores? Like I might go like a 7.8 or something. A 7.625. Yeah. yeah. I'll just put an eight in there because I, I really enjoy it. it. I'm probably being generous because it does have a lot. You could pick it to shreds <laughs> if you want to, but I really enjoy it. So I'm going to give it an eight. Why not? Well, that's it, mate. If you enjoy it. Then, I do enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okie dokie then, so a six from me, and uh, a much better score from him, it was an eight. Let's mm-hmm. see what our listeners thought over on the social. So over on Twitter, Will Sanger said, an underestimated and underrated story simply because of the strong quality of season 13. Mm-hmm. An abandoned replica village with androids is very creepy, uh, with good some good action sequences sprinkled in. Benton and Harry as androids is a lot of fun, and you have a very good mystery. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sam Ash yeah. says, I love this one. I had the Target book when I was younger and read it all the time. I'm not sure why that one in particular, but I remember the descriptions being detailed and enjoyable to read. It's an underrated classic. Tom and Elizabeth's chemistry is undeniable. 8.5. Oh, cool. Daniel Crinoid, it's a good name, yeah, says, 10. Tom and Lisa <laughs> are fab, and it has great atmosphere and a great pace. Sure, the eye patch stuff is ridiculous, but it's a good giggle. I know everyone hates this, but uh, but uh, it must be my biggest guilty pleasure. 
guilty pleasure. Ed Galuli, a good story with an initial great premise. Everyone is on form. Some good cliffhangers. A good story from classic Who's peak years. Seven point five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rob Kelly, short and sweet. One of my guilty pleasures. Uh, Doctor Who home. Owen says, uh, I guess it's all right. The crawls look great, and I like the aesthetic of the story. Mm. The location is one of Who's more memorable villages, and I guess it's nice to have a non-Dalek nation story. However, the eye patch concept is ridiculous. Yeah. Seven out of ten. Cool. Chippy T says, good story this. Nice use of the deserted, eerily quiet village theme. It plays with your uh, your perceptions of who is real and who is not. Main cast and villains all give excellent performances. Uh, 6.5 okay. from me. Uh, Matt Sewell says, film just down the road from here in East Hagborn. Wonder yeah. if the Fleur de Lis is still open. Oh, I do hope so. Uh, we hope so, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of our writers, Jordan Shortman, says it's okay. Starts off really well and then goes downhill when they get to Earth. The Krulls are a good monster, though I can see why they never came back. Everyone is in good form, even if Terry Nation script is a paint by numbers Nation plot. Very much it is, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's a giant rat. Says. The first half is very good and sets up a good mystery, but as soon as the mystery is answered in the second half, the story crashes down a cliff and is incredibly unsatisfying. Baker and Sladen are both superb and are easily the best things in the story, but a 5.5. Kind of agree, but yeah. Yeah. Paul Jobbo says a a mysterious mysterious start Mm -hmm. with scary astronauts who shoot from their fingers and an empty pub. The androids are apparently unstoppable and indestructible, though the Doctor gives Sarah... A little shove and her face falls off. Milton John's is always good. Disappointing swan song for Unit and Harry. Both Harry's first and final story container calendar is fixed on one date. Six mm. overcomplicated alien plans to take to take out of. Oh, let me start that again. Six overcomplicated alien plans to take over the Earth out of ten. Fair enough. Yeah, so that okay. was your fault, Paul, for wording that so longly. <laughs> so longly. That doesn't make sense either. Cheers, Paul. Sarah Jane. the ginger pop. (laughs) Sarah Jane, the running Whovian, says, this is one of my favourites. Well written, with great performances. Solid seven is who. The clones and alternate reality village are quite eerie. The Doctor is on form. With witty quips and outwitting the Kral, Sarah Jane is fearless and gets stuck in. And always good to see Unit. A nine out of ten. Nine, okay. And the Who Valley podcast. um, Mm. This is our mate, um, Paul. Uh, who we've met up with various uh, events and whatnot. He says, hey, dudes, I oh, yeah. uh, hope you had a cracking week. Uh, this is top five material for me. I love the unfolding mystery <laughs> and the quintessential English village, which I always thought was Sarah Jane mispronouncing Eversham. Uh, this is Tom and Liz doing Sublime Doctor Who. Uh, I missed the brig, but still a 10 out of 10. Whoa. 10, oh, cheers, Paul. Nice one, dude. And uh, lastly, over on the Facebook, Jeff Waddle says, good fun, but really makes no sense as the Krals could just send the virus down with Crayford. Yeah. And that would kill everyone. <laughs> and no need for the androids. <laughs> oh, really? Don't start <laughs> plot picking. Here we go. Uh, and after all those years, Crayford never had an itchy eye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, laughable, Doesn't even take it off to go to bed. <laughs> laughable plot. Yet Tom and Liz, uh, in their pomp, save it. Seven out of ten. <laughs> cool. Toby Coleman, I find this story a bit confusing, telling who's who. Uh, the setting is gorgeous, though, and it's clear Tom and Liz have great chemistry. The plot has many reoccurring points as Nation's other scripts, but yeah. without the Daleks, it feels new. My main complaint is how Harry and Benton were under, uh, weren't were utilised well in their final appearance and how the eye patch makes no sense, but a 7.5. Mm-hmm. Simon Lockwood, I think the Fenbots 
in the bionic woman came out around the same time mm. faces falling off to reveal the android truth uh it was a big deal at the time and as an adult it's an okay story um but with that uh bit where sarah's face falling off is so effective I remember my cousin and i talking about it as five-year-olds right after there you go yes that would have been cool simon wouldn't it seeing that back in the day uh i was seriously disturbed nine out of ten for nostalgia 6.5 as a more discerning adult yes cool we're going to take your nostalgic review simon nine out of ten charlie turner first time i watched this one it was the first time i was creeped out by something in the classic series especially Mm. when the doctor and sarah go into that bar and the androids inside just look at them with blank faces, as well as the reveal of the Sarah android with its creepy wiring and eyeball design choices. Uh, very underrated, this one, but it's the strongest in Series 13. Nine out of ten. Nine. Cool. Douglas Stanford Grandy says, This has always been a guilty pleasure of mine. Sure, it has plot holes big enough to drive a truckload of ginger pops throughout, but who cares? It's fun. Anything bad you may have to say about it, well, you're probably right, but it's always I've always enjoyed it anyway. It's great to see Harry and Benton again. Sarah does a great job actually rescuing the Doctor on more than one occasion. Uh, yeah. What better place there is there in the universe to feel disorientated than in a disorientation chamber? <laughs> seven loaded fingers out of seven. <laughs> what should we call this thing then? Someone's The character's going to be disorientated, so what should we call it? what should we call it uh yeah <laughs> and lastly sean mundy i really enjoyed this story i thought the writing was great terry nation's on top form the effects and costumes are very good tom baker and liz slade and great acting as always i would give this one a nine out of ten wow awesome so i think overall dude people love this one it's it's yeah. mixed though isn't it i think a lot of people agree that it's got faults but it a lot of people enjoy it so yeah so no, it's a funny one it's a yeah. funny one this and nobody's trashed it either it, no one's given no, it like ones no. or twos you know sometimes you can have a real big sway but I mm. think um, overall let's give this um, an 8 for the average score dude well, yeah sounds yeah. about right yep. yeah righty-o that's the um, the Android Invasion done with next week dude what have we got for review? Yeah, so next week, so we're on, we're on the phone to Terry Nation and we say we, we like that script you <laughs> gave us for Android Invasion, but let's go back in time and have some Daleks. So we're going for a, a Pertwee Dalek story, Planet of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Planet of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Now, which one's this? Because I, I always get confused with Pertwee's Dalek stories. So it's Planet, Death, and all the... Oh, uh, this is the one with the big gold Dalek with the torch eye. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. and the yeah. big furry purple coats or whatever they are isn't it is that one yes it is all right yeah. cool so planet of the daleks next week planet of daleks yeah six part of this one if i believe oh I gosh we've correct. had some lot of six parts recently Whew. yeah so i got that tv to myself yeah so hunker down get the kit along get some cookies it's all good <laughs> yeah. okay then so planet of daleks next week that sounds good and i think we'll wrap that in buddy for three seven six all righty Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the Big Blue Box podcast. That was episode number 376. If you are new to the show, then welcome aboard. It's great to have you here. If you're one of the regular listeners, one of the grizzled ancients, the long timers, and it's good to have you here as well. Regardless of that, make sure that you are following and subscribing to the Big Blue Box podcast, wherever you get your podcast, whatever app you use, as we put a new episode out every single Friday. 
you can also listen for free on the website which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk and while you're there you can check out all of the cool articles and reviews from our awesome writing team there's going to be a bunch that are going to be dropping over the next day or two so when you're listening to this the last couple of days uh, we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook there are links on the website come and get involved as we chat doctor who throughout the week and we have a very cool free discord server hop in there chat doctor who with lots of other cool doctor who fans there's a link on the website for that uh, also don't forget to remember to check out my co-host channel especially those location videos over on yes. the geeks handbag yeah the geeks handbag go and check out that return to the android invasion i think i called it go and check it out on my youtube channel also on all the socials instagram facebook and twitter and twitter yes and indeed. tiktok <laughs> and tiktok now apparently yes no, i'm going to delete that soon then they can all my information uh, actually um yeah the official star wars thing just popped up on tiktok so maybe it's yeah. not going anywhere anytime soon anyway uh go and check adam out on his youtube channel and the socials so next week planet of the daleks get that yep. watched as we'll be asking for your thoughts as always until then remember hey, hey.